Good morning, heart and soul. Welcome to our Sunday celebration service. Today is Sunday, September 12th. I am Reverend Sonia Russell. I am a proud founding member here at Heart and Soul Center of Light, and I am delighted to welcome you this morning. And I'm here to let you know how you can be more fully engaged at Heart and Soul and any immediate actions we need you to take uh, so that you know what's going on. Following our opportunities for engagement, we will lead into our devotional time, and then following our devotional time, we will lead into our inspirational service. So we encourage you to visit our website, heartsoulcenter.org. This is where you can find how to be engaged at Heart and Soul Center of Light, uh, including the information about our Monday night book study, uh, about how to get access to prayer, and about how to be more fully connected with us. We will have an opportunity to give together in community uh, at the end of service, but I invite you to give any time by visiting heartsoulcenter.org slash give. We're excited to be offering a new class this fall, Change Your Thinking, Change Your Life, being facilitated by our beloved Reverend Dr. Andriette Earle. This class begins on September 23rd, and we're intending to close registration this week on Thursday the 16th. So we're, if you're intending to take the class, we're asking you to get in there. Tuition is $145, and this is a foundational-level class, and so there are no prerequisites. There's also no required textbook for this class. And we want to let you know that it's easy for you to participate in the Heart and Soul Adult Education Scholarship Fund. You can simply register yourself and then forward that email to info at heartsoulcenter.org with a note that you intend for that to be a scholarship, and then you celebrate how easy it was to support Heart and Soul's adult education ministry. I want to let you know that Imagining Justice is back Wednesday. Uh, It's sacred conversations with our health and well-being circle, and the experience begins at 6.15 Pacific time. You can join by visiting heartsoulcenter.org slash imaginingjustice. And tonight at 7 p.m. Pacific time, our own beloved Tammy Lynn Hall and her quintet will be at Freight and Salvage. And so we are inviting you to get yourself a ticket there. You will be required to wear a mask and you'll need to have proof of vaccination status. So make sure that you are going. Freight and Salvage is a beautiful venue and Tammy Hall is everything. So if you haven't been there, we invite you to be with that. And now, family, I To lead us through our devotional time, I welcome my big brother, Ron Marshall. Thank you, Rev. Sonia. So good morning, all. As Sonia said, my name is Ron Marshall, and I'm a licensed practitioner and founding member at Heart and Soul, and I'm honored to be facilitating the devotional segment of our service this morning. Our devotional is our time to invoke our community vision statement together, center ourselves by spending about five minutes in stillness, and then anchor ourselves with prayer. Our vision statement is our opportunity to declare our our intention in the world. It speaks to who we are and how we operate. So let's take this opportunity to recite our vision statement together. We are a loving and compassionate world-class teaching and empowerment ministry. Through a consciousness of universal God presence, We release all resistance, separation, and fear. We claim our personal liberation and accept the eternal availability of joy, love, and abundance. Through our intention to be love and spread joy, we engender reflections of the same and more in others. 
Our ministry is a gift to the world, which expands through our practice and dedication. We welcome all people, and together we make a quantifiable positive difference on the planet, and so it is. And so, beloveds, even as we have centered ourselves in our vision, let us take this opportunity to also center ourselves in stillness. Wherever you are, I invite you to make yourself comfortable so that you may be open to divine guidance. Know that right where you are, God is, and therefore it is safe and sacred space. So if you're willing... I invite you to gently allow your eyelids to close and relax into this sacred moment. Join me in taking a deep conscious breath, breathe in, and release with a sigh. Now give thanks for your breath as you gently allow it to return to its natural rhythm. Let your breath be an ever-present reminder of your oneness with spirit and its ever-availability as a guide and source of inner peace, love, and clarity, regardless of outer circumstances. As we enter the stillness, continue to focus on your breath, and I offer this affirmation as our guide. I have been that I have been. I am that I am. And I will be what I will be simultaneously.
So even as we continue in this, this divine cocoon of love and peace and grace, I know that this moment is possible because there is a power, a presence, a divine intelligence that is operating in, through, and as all things. It is the very air that we are breathing, the ground that we walk on as we go about being and doing that which we are here to be and do. It is that which woke us this morning and kept us while we slept. It is known by many names, but in this moment I am just choosing to call it love. How good it is to know that the living one is love and as we are divine emanations of this, this presence, I know that each and every person within the sound of my voice and beyond is an expression of this love. And this love brings with it every possible thing that is required for us living our highest and best life. It is health and well-being. It is abundance in infinite ways. It is love in the form of relationships that are supportive and uplifting. It is creative self-expression. How good it is to know that there is nothing that we need do, that we don't need to lean on our own understanding. We just have to accept and recognize the truth of our greatness as perfect emanations of the one. So I'm, I'm grateful this day. I'm grateful for how love is showing up in the form of the 8 billion of us that are living on this planet. I'm giving thanks knowing that this service at heart and soul is already complete in the mind of God. I give thanks for all who have had a hand or heart in making it possible. I give thanks for the technology. I give thanks for our practitioners, those who pray without ceasing and know the truth on behalf of all in prayer. I'm giving thanks for our musical inspiration today, Brandis McKenzie and Tammy Lynn Hall. I'm giving thanks for our board. I'm giving thanks especially for our senior and founding minister, Reverend Dr. Andriette Earl. Grateful for her sacred yes. I'm giving thanks this day most of all for, as my baby sister says, the good sense to be grateful. And so for this and the more, I give thanks. I know that every word that has been spoken is the truth and must return fulfilled. So I let go and I let God. I step aside in consciousness. I allow it to be. And so it is. Amen. about the facts that we have
two of the most extraordinarily talented, generous, and musically skillful Renaissance women as resident artists and members at Heart and Soul Center of Light. Today's musical inspiration is Brannis McKenzie and Tammy Lynn Hall, and we will be graced by the blessing of their craft after hearing from our beloved Reverend Dr. Andriette Earl. Thank you, Sonia, and thank you, Ron, for beautiful, beautiful devotional. So, heart and soul for family, we have just a little bit of celebration to do. Revelo, would you join me? And Sonia, you ran off a little too fast for me. I'm going to ask you to join me up here because just a week ago, last Monday, uh, Practitioner Sonia Russell, who you know well, she's always, often, most of the time, in the pulpit and doing magnificent work. Well, as of last Monday, she completed years of study, internships, and service, sacred service. And so... We now recognize her, and the Centers for Spiritual Living officially recognize her as of last Monday as Reverend Sonia Russell. Yeah. It's an exciting moment for our family, and there's an embarrassment of riches in terms of all that we're up to. And so, Valerie Joy and Brannis, if you would join me, please. Because Brannis McKenzie, who is our founding minister of music, which means that she and I began working together back in October of 2009. So we're talking 12 years of service and innovation and commitment and love and everything required to build out of the ethers a music ministry for heart and soul. And so what's happening now is that Brannis is expanding her reach and choosing to do more in her life in addition to heart and soul. And so, Brannis, these flowers are for you. We're giving thanks for your dedication and your commitment to heart and soul as um, our minister of music. And then as our co-minister of music, as you brought Valerie Joy along for all that heart and soul is. And now, as Brannis steps into our founding minister of music, Emerita. And we're thrilled about that because she has also agreed to be our very first resident artist. And so we'll be seeing plenty of Brannis, or more importantly, hearing 
uh, seeing and hearing Branus at Heart and Soul during our Sunday services, including today. And for that, I am grateful. Thank you so much, Branus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And just a quick hot off the press is that Tammy Hall is our second resident artist. And so I'm just grateful for the way that things are unfolding. There's lots of shifts and changes, little teeny ones, and then the, the larger ones as well. And we are just basking in the glow of the grace of God and the gratitude and appreciation. Thank you, Tammy, for saying yes. Thank you for being here today. And you will hear more from them in a bit. But for right now, I want to remind you, like you need reminding, because you live in the world, that we are truly on an adventure in faith. Truly on an adventure in faith. And you know, yesterday was the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And so today, if I were going to, I typically don't give my talks a, top, a topic or a title because they evolve even in the speaking of them. And uh, it usually just trips me up. But today, I'm pretty clear that this is about us looking at and choosing how 9-11 changed us. And it did. It did. Even those who are too young to remember or were not there, you need to know that it changed the world. It changed your family, your parents, your kinfolks, all of that. The neighbors, the neighborhood. It changed our policies. It changed our sense of governing. It changed, frankly, for a while we just lost our minds at the governance level. And my prayer is that we are recovering our sense of, of sanity because our saneness would have to include love. Our saneness would have to include, but look here, today is also, this is our season for Oakland pride. And it's an interesting thing to blend these two things, but I think as we go along, you'll begin to see that there is nothing new under the sun and there's really not a different way to approach it. If you say love these people, it's not so specific. We, the, our practice has been, you know, that, that we learn to love individual groups. Because the groups come out and ask us and they have the advocacy. But at some point, we're just going to love the people. My prayer is that you're not going to need coaching from every group, every specific group and, and dynamic on the planet in order to enroll you in loving. At what point will we recall the master teacher's teaching to love everybody? That you know... Mm, the day will come when my sense is that we will be able to name, even if we cannot number, those circumstances that transformed our lives by transforming our thinking, transforming our experience. And so I'm wanting to blend these things. I want to start with the reading from uh, Emmett Fox 
for yesterday. And he's talking about judgment. And I've just excerpted this portion. He says to decline to believe in evil and to affirm the good is righteous judgment. And it brings the reward of happiness and harmony. Now, there's a part of me hearing myself read that aloud that I just want to go sit down and have us think about that. I know we've already had our devotional, but there's a part of me that just wants to say, no, I'm not going to say nothing else. We just going to roll with that. And when I feel like maybe y'all have forgotten what we're thinking about, I'll come back up and say, to decline to believe in evil and to affirm the good is righteous judgment and brings the reward of happiness and harmony. And then I'll go off, and after a while I'll come back and I'll read that again. Because I feel like at the moment that we really get that in our spirit, in our gut, in our soul, that, that when, when somebody awakens us, we end up saying that, that to affirm the good is righteous judgment and brings the reward of happiness and harmony. And then, you know, that'll just be our automatic knowing. We will know that so completely that our waking hours are born out of that awareness. We have an opportunity to be transformed by our experience. You know, there wasn't always a pride day. There was not, that wasn't always a thing. It's a thing because we changed our minds, because we awakened, because we came into an awareness of humanity, of our humanity. And we're able to expand our hearts and our minds in such a way of basic acceptance and inclusivity. See, there's some children somewhere, maybe at the embryonic stage, I don't know, there's some children somewhere who will appear on the planet and wonder, why you need a Pride Day? Why you need a Black History? Why you need a special anything, a designated? We needed it because it was not included, because it was ignored. And far be it from me to say we needed a 9-11, because that's not what I'm here to say. But since we had it, let's not waste. Let's not waste the learning. Let's not waste the transformative opportunity. Let's not waste an opportunity for a breakthrough. I mean, it changed everything. The world shook in that moment. Well, now, see, isn't that rather ethnocentric of me? The world shook. Because New York and D.C. and Pennsylvania did. Our world shook. And certainly there were reverberations. But I just want to be clear that we're not the center of the world. Praise God. Can I just, you, I'm not questioning my citizenship or my love for this country. But I am questioning our practices. This cannot be the center of the world. This cannot be the model for how humanity around the planet, throughout the universe, behaves. Emmett Fox says, when Jesus said, judge not that ye not be judged, in Matthew 7 and 1, 
He meant that to condemn our brother, our sisters, out of hand, instead of seeing the Christ within each of them, is to put ourselves in danger. Somebody needs to understand this as we look at history, as we look at the patterns that we tend to repeat over and over out of ignorance and stubbornness and just plain, my mama would say, bullheadedness. He says that when we fail to see the Christ in each other, in our brothers and our sisters, we put ourselves in danger because we are making a reality of those appearances in that other one. And whatever we make real, we must demonstrate in our own lives. I don't know that I've ever fully understood what Malcolm X meant when he said the chickens will come home to roost. But I just have to say it keeps blowing up in my head as I read this. Every time I have read this to myself, and I did because I wasn't sure that I could bring it safely. I wasn't sure where it would take me because it's saying so much for, for me, someone who cut my eye teeth in the, in the 60s and marching against the Vietnam War and for civil rights and the like and speaking from Berkeley City Hall steps and all of that. That's what's in my blood. My parents were, were political and activists in that way. And so it's kind, it's, 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 my nurturing was that. The environment was that. And so I, I see things through a different lens, possibly, for sure, than, than you, all of you do. But I have to say I'm grateful for your willingness to hear it. And I'm grateful for my willingness to listen and hear yours. So look, Congressperson Barbara Lee speaks for me. I just had to say it. She happens to be my congressperson. I know she impacts much more broadly beyond her district and those of us who recognize that she was the one congressperson who stood against the war in Afghanistan. I don't want us to forget that somebody knew and stood for that. She said recently, because I'm part of her district, I get her newsletter. And in it, she said, 20 years ago, the world witnessed a horrific attack on our nation. Today, we remember and honor the thousands lost on that day and those we've since lost to 9-11 related illnesses. And sometimes we forget. It's still, the impact is still going on. As a nation, we continue to offer our deepest condolences and sympathies to their families and their loved ones, we will never forget them. This was a time when we heard often, never forget, never forget. And I'm like, never forget what exactly? Because, you know, we're, we're kind of special in how we discern what we're going to forget and what we're going to remember. We have rather selective memories and so I'm kind of wondering, what exactly are we not to forget? And what exactly are we to ensure that we remember? Our current president, President Joe Biden, said, I believe on Saturday, we never forget 
We never forget the children who have grown up without parents, parents who have suffered without children, husbands and wives who had to find a way forward without their partners, brothers and sisters, loved ones. Jill and I hold you close in our hearts. We'll never forget. Never forget what? Because the date is burned into our psyche. If you were alive then and conscious and aware, meaning, you know, not so young, you know exactly where you were. You know exactly what was happening when you got word and how you got word that that was going on. So what exactly is it that we're to remember? Our pain, our confusion, our transformation? Maybe we're to remember the truth about humanity. Maybe we're to remember that we don't have to repeat everything. You know, just because we slow learners doesn't mean we just have to repeat all of the events in order to learn something that transforms the way we are with each other. Just how many, how remedial must the learning curriculum be in order for us to get that how we are being is not working? It's not working for us. It's not working for anyone anywhere. No matter how how we export it, no matter how we promote it. And how do we remember (laughs) what we possibly never knew for sure? How exactly do we remember what we never acknowledge knowing? Do we just Google it? Because that seems to be often that we just Google what happened and how I'm supposed to be with what happened. To discern whether this is true or whether it's not so true or whether it's outright false. I'm not sure. What I do know is that our former president... George W. Bush on Saturday called on Americans to confront domestic violent extremists, comparing them to violent extremists abroad and warning that they are children of the same foul spirit. He said very specifically, you know, it's an interesting thing what a little time and distance will do for you. I I just want to be clear. I just want to be clear because in my life as well, You know, I'm grateful that there wasn't video and smartphones all that while. (laughs) And I know some of y'all will give testimony. These young folks, really, it's a different thing. When you capture absolutely everything, that is a part of my regular, thank you, Father, Mother, God, that I'm not on video everywhere. But unfortunately, he is. And so there's that that we know about that. But that doesn't, that doesn't change the truth when you hear it. <laughs> you, you see, you got to listen and, oh, wait, wait, hold up. That part right there. He said there is little cultural overlap between violent extremists abroad and violent extremists at home. But in their disdain for pluralism, in their disregard for human life, in their determination to defile national symbols, they are children of the same foul spirit. 
And it is our continuing duty to confront them. Come on with the truth from home. Come on with the truth. You see, the truth, no matter who speaks it, no matter their history, no matter their story, our work is to recognize truth and align with it. Can I bring you to Matthew 5? Because in, in Matthew 5, the master teacher, it, I love the setup that he has here. What he says is, you have heard it said that the ancestors, you, y'all don't understand what I'm talking about. Look, look at here. He sets it up that you don't, that you have been told You have heard it said that the ancestors said and did thus and such, an eye for an eye. Are you with me? And then he says, but I say to you, there's a new game. There's a new way to be in this. You have heard it said to all the people, everything that's written, all your ancestors, as far as we know, said it one way. That's what they knew to do. You mess with me, I'm going to mess you up. That's what you understood. But I have come. I'm saying something else to you is what he came to say. Can I? I, I, mm. See, look. Hmm. I can't help. Everybody can't lead us. We, we, just, we just can't have everybody lead us. Because some people have not moved from an ancestral fear and separateness. You know, there's a point in history where wherever you go, everybody else was foreign. Nativism, tribalism. And the whole nature of that is fear of others. It's there's us, and that's really all we can appreciate. <clears throat> and that's not everywhere, always, but we see that as an undercurrent. And maybe it's based on a, a personal history that we're not aware of, that was never recorded, but we don't know who tried to do what to them. Because that's how it is in our lives, in our individual lives, right? Often we look at, we like, the last time I saw somebody like, you know, the last time I was in that situation, in that neighborhood, whatever happened, and we, we lock that in. I've come today to say that we look at how has life changed us? How has 9-11 How has pride, how has all, sometimes I get here and my mind is so set on something that I haven't set it on personally. And so I, I like, now I can't even think of the names for other things. And when that happens, I want to say them to you. But often I know that that's not mine to say right now. I need to get back on with the one that sent me. So look at here. 
you have heard it said. The ancestors wrote it. The oral history delivered it to you. To love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I say to you, I bring you a new teaching. I bring you a new way of approaching this sense of othering. And that's to love your enemies. Now, now look at here. I, Master, I know it's a hard teaching, but I got questions. Because who are the enemies? And who gets to decide who they are? Because just in my personal life, I have found that they've shifted. The ones that I thought they were, they are not. And the ones that I thought were friends and neighbors are not. And then it shifts again, and they are. And so who exactly is in charge of the enemy list? And I don't mean the CIA. Who's in charge of your personal enemy list? And how committed are you to? Because I understand that the, the point he's making is to embrace them, but I'm like, how'd they get on the list anyhow? Is that even real? But whatever it is, he's saying break it down. Do something else with that. To bless the one who curses you. Ooh, does he mean that literally? Lord, do what is beautiful to the one who hates you. Pray over those who take you by force and persecute you. Lord, this is a hard teaching right here. You know, that's what the disciples are said to have said to the master teacher when it got to the point where they were like, we don't even understand what you're talking about. How could you mean that? Haven't you ever been persecuted? Who, has, who, has, who that has been persecuted would even say that? One who knows. One who knows the truth. One who knows the truth. He went on to say, for his son rises on the good and upon the evil, and his reign descends on the just and the unjust. So you don't have to worry about that. It's already handled. It's not your business. It's not yours to work out. It's not yours to do. So look, it could be that I know it's a hard teaching. At least it's hard for me. Let me not speak for y'all. Y'all are probably front of the class. <laughs> Students, you just right up front. You got it. Not me. I'm somewhere, I'm somewhere else in the class trying to work it out. But this I do know. I'm a student of Neville. And so I know the power of the imagination. I know that if we begin dare I say, in a spin. And if we travel in the world of our creation, because there really is only that world in existence. It's what you, you know, your enemy is the one you think is your enemy. There's really no, there's no real identity called enemy. It's you have to label it. So that's a part of you. That's the use of your imagination. That's your creating your world. 
But if we decide, when we decide, as we decide to benefit from our lessons in life, our strifes in life, our pain, our suffering, our persecution, if when we decide, our joys, when we decide to learn the lessons, to treat life like lessons provided for my edification, for my expansion of my awareness, then the world of my creation will defy explanation. Isn't that what we need? Isn't that what we're waiting on? Aren't we waiting on our ability to see beyond what has been? I'm saying to you in the, in the lyrics of pure imagination, if you want to view paradise, you got to look around and view it. It's up to you if you want to change the world. There's nothing to it but to do it. I bring you now with great pleasure Brannis McKenzie and Tammy Hall, Pure Imagination.
Thank you, Branis. Thank you, Tammy. If you really want to be, if you want it to be different, you'll do the work. The inner work is you imagining it different, beginning to see it in a new way with different outcomes. One of our members Joelle Sensilian is a filmmaker and a video producer at the Oakland Museum here in California. He's a French immigrant, and he stood beneath the World Trade Center towers, and he saw the second plane hit. There's an article in the San Francisco Chronicle, dare I say above the fold as well, because that's, you know, for some of us, we know that that's part of our imagination. That's something that we imagined, moving our stories from the back page. And somewhere stuck on odd pages in between to the cover above the fold. You know, our ancestors imagined so much for us and we're living in the harvest of the imagined seeds that they planted, and I'm grateful for that. I want to share some about Joao. He says that the office he worked in was right across the street from the World Trade Center, and that on the way to his office, he heard a huge boom that day, an explosion. And when he looked up, he saw smoke. He said nobody was sure what was going on. They th he thought it was just a freaky accident, he said. And then the second plane hit, and he understood that it was not an accident at all. He, it so happened that he always carried a disposable camera because he wanted to document his life, he said. And when he saw the smoke, he started snapping photos, and he kept on snapping. 
the second plane hitting the tower falling, and even as they were running to seek refuge. He said, I saw people dying for the first time, people trying to escape the flames, jumping off of, out of windows, people climbing down the tower to eventually slip and seeing them flying down and hitting the floor. Those images really stayed with me, preventing me from sleeping for a while. And while those images actually, he said he couldn't bring himself to take photos of those. But I want to share with you a just short video that he created. I am a 9-11 survivor. I remember that day like it just happened. I remember the explosion. I remember running out of building number one. I remember people being told it was an accident. I remember people being told to get back to work. I remember having a disposable camera. My niece was one year old at the time. That's why I bought it. Instead, I remember the other plane hitting building number two, so I took pictures of that. I remember being trapped in a building nearby. It was dark. I remember walking home on the Brooklyn Bridge. I remember the fear, the scream. I remember thinking, this might be my last day on this earth. Instead, here I am. Instead, here I am. There he is. Thank you, Joelle. You've given us an opportunity to see humanity. We often say we see each other. And sometimes I wonder if we even know what that means. I think, we're, I think what we mean is that my ocular system is operating. And whatever, however that system works, because it's operating well, there's something I see that I think is you. But in this moment, I'm aware that I see you that I see humanity, I see the ancestors in here. I see the future, I see his children and their children. We can begin to see that in each other. Here's, here's the thing that, that, that I thought I would share with you in this moment. In Luke 6, the master teacher is saying that a good man brings forth the good treasure that is in his heart, while an evil man brings out the evil from the evil treasures in his heart. He says, for the lips speak from the fullness of the heart. So you see, I'm, I'm touched by, by a man of Haitian ancestry 
who grew up in France, who left France and came to New York specifically seeking certain opportunities that were that he felt were not available where he was. So, so wherever we are, we bring all of us. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? We, we come packing all of our experiences. How we show up is not about what we've experienced, but how we've internalized it, what we've told ourselves about, what we think happened to us by that. So much that happened out of 9-11 was born out of a sense of evil having been done. And then allowing that sense to permeate our being. And us to give as good as we got, give the evil back. An eye for an eye. Except I'm taking all eyes. I know it was just one eye, but I'm getting ready. The master teacher asked in in Luke 6, why are you calling me Lord, Lord, if you're not going to do whatever I say? Why are you acting like I'm the teacher? Why are you acting like your disciples or students are wanting to learn this when you're not doing nothing, I say? And so I come today to say, how long? Yeah, stop it. Cut it out. How long? No, I'm not even going to ask that question because it doesn't matter. I'm not really interested in the answer. I guess my real question is, are we ready? Are we ready for a different experience? Are we ready to open our minds beyond our past? I know there's not a person to whom something hadn't happened. Somebody hadn't done something, or you think they did. Whether they did or not, you think they did, so they may as well have on your planet. I don't mean may as well have in the universe, but as far as you're concerned, they have. And sometimes, some of us even faced with the truth, the evidence, we still can't, but they must have, because how did I get like this then? I'm offering that today, is a time for a shift. It's this notion of how do we, you know, I've even played it for y'all before. You know, I love Whitney Houston doing I Go to the Rock. And this time I want to talk about the rock on which we build. That's what Luke 6 talks about, the rock on which we build our foundation. What are we trusting in? What are we trusting in? What are we absolutely willing to know and and choosing to believe? That the master teacher is suggesting that the one who hears the word and lives in it is is like the man who built a house and, and he dug and went deep and laid the foundation in the rock. And when there was a flood, he was all right. The house stood. Unlike when we build our house on sinking sand. On what this one said and what that one thought. 
we have to, I, I'm, not tr I'm not believing that, that we all know as the master teacher knew. I'm not believing that we, we're vibrating at that level of knowing. What I know is we don't have to. What I know is that we get to choose. We get to choose what we believe and how we're going to respond. You know, on 9-11, that, that Delta Flight 15, I believe it was, Delta Flight 15, which was the flight that there were enough, all the planes in the air were called out. And Delta 15 was one of those. And they landed the closest when they determined where they were. They all were called, many of them were called back to Canada because that was, that was the, the closest route. And so this particular, these planes landed in uh, Gardner, Newfoundland, Canada. And when they landed, that town, Gander, not Gardner, Gander, is a town of about 10,000 people. But the Red Cross says that about 10,000 people landed. And the town absorbed them. What they did is they closed the schools and closed all of the large buildings, and they became places where folks could sleep. And gather. They kept the women who, who wanted to be just with women and isolated in that way for their own comfort and safety. They arranged that. They arranged for families to be together. The elders were taken to private homes. They arranged for food. The bakeries opened and stayed open so that they were baking bread, we're told, nonstop. So the town, sometimes we, we act as if we don't know what we could do. You know, in fact, we say it aloud. We're like, well, what can we do? We're just a little bitty town. What can we do? You can... What are you imagining you can do? What are you imagining you can do? You see, the very question is born out of a sense that I'm imagining can't nothing happen here. That we're limited. I'm imagining our limitation. I'm imagining the restrictions. See, my prayer is that today, somehow I say something or something is played by Tammy or something is sung by Brannis or something is, has been prayed or affirmed that stays on your mind in a way that you can't shake it. And that you... You wrestle with it, and on the other side of that, you see yourself in a new way. You begin to see that there's something beyond this notion of limitation. There's, there's another alternative to imagining what you can't do. Can't. There's something beyond imagining that this is as good as it gets. Because there's huge opportunities for us to move beyond, to live beyond, to live in the transformation of what we've been through. 
Some of us have been through some things that would curl, have already curled our own hair. And if we told you about it, your hair would fall out. My prayer is we're not limited by that. My prayer is that we literally will have to tell you in order for you to know. Because our lives are not walking billboards of our pain. That our lives are not walking advertisements of what has been done to us that now manifest is our belief that we don't matter. That we are not deserving. Because as long as we live from that and believe that, we treat others like they are not deserving. We see it in the world, and we act like we don't recognize it. We act like we don't understand. How can they do that? How could that happen? My sense is that once we, once we move from a point of denial and pretense that, that we don't know how that happens, that we'll be able to embrace our role in the divine transformation of the planet, beginning from the inside out. Beginning with my own thinking. Beginning with my own feelings. Beginning with my own ideas. Beginning with my words. What I say to others and how I say it. I told you that I am in um, the Honorable Barbara Lee's district, and so I get her newsletter, and she was reminding us that volunteers are needed, specifically 9-11 is designated as the National Day of Service and Remembrance. But she asked us to step up and commit to volunteering, certainly 9-11, and that was yesterday, but she also says for any day of the year. So I'm going to say to you, it's not different for me to ask you to commit in service. Why? Because service is part of the transformative path. It's part of the path. There's no way to serve and be truly in continuous or sustained service and not be transformed by it. If you don't serve, that doesn't make sense to you. It doesn't, because there's no way to get there in mind. I invite you to try it and see. To try it and see if serving isn't the beginning or an added element to your personal transformation. Whatever you do, begin, as John Lennon suggested, to imagine that there are no countries, nothing to kill or die for, and no religion. Imagine all the people. Do that for just a moment. Imagine all of us living in peace. See, I'm not even pretending that, that we can all do that that we can get there, but just do whatever you can. Take that first step to set an intention to imagine 
to open your inner eye to see what could peace be. Okay, maybe you can't see the whole world, but maybe you can see it in your, in your world. What would peace be like for you? Yeah, I get it. I overstand, John Lennon. You may say that I'm a dreamer. I know a lot of the stuff I come here saying to you. You may say, Rev, you don't even know. You're just dreaming that that can be different. And that may be true about me, but I'm not stopping. And I know that I'm not the only one. And in Lennon's words, I hope someday you'll join us and the world will live as one. Again, Brannis McKenzie and Tammy Hall with Imagine. Y'all, please breathe this in. Holy and completely.
But I'm not the only one I pray one day you'll join us And the world will live as one And the world will live as one Thank you, Brennis McKenzie and Tammy L. Hall. Oh, today our music ministry and the good Reverend Dr. Andrea Earl are calling us into something new, calling us to imagine something different. At Heart and Soul Center of Light, we are actively imagining a world that works for everyone. And we know we're not the only ones holding this vision. You're holding this vision too. Otherwise, you wouldn't be with us today. And so we're asking you to support us in this endeavor. This is our time of gracious giving here at Heart and Soul Center of Light. And there are lots of ways in which you can graciously give. You can send a check to Heart and Soul Center of Light. 5627 Telegraph Avenue, number 405, Oakland, California. You can also give on our website, heartsoulcenter.org slash give. And while you're there, you might consider setting up a recurring gift cycle whereby your gift automatically gives in the amount you specify, in the interval you specify, and you can also give uh, on a one-time gift basis, if that works better for you. Last but not least, you can simply text the word GIVE on your smartphone to 510-500-5849. However you give is right and perfect. And it is also important that we maintain the proper consciousness in our giving. We want to bless our good, thereby establishing an intention for good that our gift will do in the world. Wherever you happen to be in the world right now, I invite you, take your gift in hand, or otherwise, let's place our hand right over our hearts, knowing that the greatest gift there could ever be is the gift of life beating right under our hand, and let's say our blessing together. I bless this gift as healing energy and send it into the divine flow of all good. Infinite prosperity circulates through me, through my church, and throughout the world, because I know God as source, and so it is. And now I return to you, our own Reverend Dr. Andrea Earl. Thank you, Revelo. Thank you. Just in an attitude of absolute gratitude and appreciation for 
Brannis McKenzie for bringing the vocals today for the song style, for all of it, for, for bringing your spirit to it. Thank you. And for Tammy Hall, welcome home. It's been a long time. And so, so good to hear you, to see you, to feel your out feeling you. And so I'm so, so very grateful for all that you bring us and contribute. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you. So grateful. Grateful to our, our virtual service team, the, the folks who are in the room. And y'all know that we have not opened yet. What we have, in the folks that are in the room are leaders, uh, meaning folks who lead service teams, who are still working to discern what else is needed because we still know that we have work to do. My, my apologies, but we're not feeling yet like it would be appropriate to be open anyhow based on CDC information. But even if it were, what we realized is we were a little slow on uptake and we're not quite where we thought we would be even to make the decision. So we're pushing that out a bit. We're probably talking about October at the earliest. And uh, so just bear with us and stay tuned. I'm grateful that you are joining us virtually, grateful for the folks who are serving here, grateful for those of you who are serving virtually, and just know, just like, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, the Honorable Barbara Lee asked us to be in service, I'm asking you as well to let us know if you have IT skills, for example, web, web, um, website skills or, or videography, uh, all of it. We do an enormous amount of editing and could use some support in that if that's a skill that you, that you have or one that you want to build. And let's be in touch. If you're just willing to bring a little muscle power, what, what can I do? Can I help y'all move the chairs? Can I help y'all dust something? How about that? Could I come help dust? Could I wipe something? Could I refresh in something? Could I fluff something? You know what I'm saying? It, it takes a village it takes a village, and somebody literally has to dust. Somebody's going to have to move a chair. Somebody's going to have to vacuum. So that might be a thing. Here's what, it's not happening on my personal planet, but there are people for whom that vacuuming, I know people that they're like, no, I love vacuuming, so let, be in touch. <laughs> be in touch. If dusting and vacuuming and helping to bring order and cleanliness and... Now, we have a service that is doing the uh, sanitation part of it, okay? So that's not what we're asking you to do. But the rest of it, a little dusting, a little wiping, a little keeping up, all of that would be great as we are moving towards uh, opening for in-person services, Yes. Just giving thanks for all that you do, wanting to remind you that I will be teaching Change Your Thinking, Change Your Life. Just the title of that ought to hit somebody and let them know that I'm going to be there about that. If you do want to change your thinking, change your life class that's over just five weeks, five Thursdays, beginning September 23rd through whatever five counts out to be in October, but I can tell you, October 21st, we begin at 615 each of those five Thursdays, and end, it's only uh, till 845. 
and the cost is $145 is a non-refundable $45 registration fee. And I know we have a generous congregation, and many of you listening are thinking, darn, I can't be there, but I know that there's somebody who needs to be there and may not have the resource, the financial resource in the moment. So you can contribute. Uh, They have the slide up right now. All you do is register for the class yourself, pay in full or in part, and then send an email. Forward your confirmation email to info at heartsoulcenter.org, and we will handle it from there. I'm thanking you in advance for your generosity and the way that you support Heart and Soul and how we can support those who want a change in their lives. Thank you. When I was talking about (coughs) Gander, Newfoundland, uh, Canada, and I brought up Delta Flight 15. Y'all shouldn't let me just walk off after I just drop something and then don't say nothing about it. The reason I isolated and lifted up very specifically that flight, it's because when the folks that were on that flight, when they got back on the plane, someone on the plane asked if they could make the announcement and were allowed to, and they decided to set up a trust fund for the youth in that town because they had served them so magnificently. And so what they got initially was $14,000. But now, and I don't even know whether now was this week or well before that, that fund ultimately has had $1.5 million in it. I'm, I'm mentioning that to you because we pretend like we don't know that it begins with one person willing to stand. And that person standing in the midst of those who are willing to see and hear and be responsive, positively responsive to it, and then make a difference. So they have assisted about 134 students in their college education. So what it is, I'm just saying we know we can do this. We know we can do this. And do it, we must. Please join me in prayer. Oh, how good and very, 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 very good it is for us to simply come together in God, to come together in prayer, to come together in divine knowingness, in divine and perfect recognition that there is one life and that that life is the very source of all life, that there is not a spot where God is not. And that that is not debatable. That Each and every one of us, none of us is outside of the spot where God is not. God is everywhere, always present, meaning that there's a divine vibration of good, of health, of well-being, of positive relationships. Of creative self-expression of our heart's desire, that there's a divine vibration that is everywhere always present. And each and every one of us, I am standing in it now. And wherever each and every one of us is right now, we are in it. One with the one, one as the one. I and my Father be one. Oh, how good it is to know that right where 
I am right now, the whole perfect and complete nature of the divine is. That right where each of us is, source is and is expressing itself magnificently through as in each and every one of us. Oh, Father, Mother, God, knowing this, it's like I've just taken the roof off of my limited thinking. That knowing that right where I am, the divine is, source is, goodness is, I know something more about what's possible in my life. And this, what is true for me is simply true. It's the reason it's true for me is because it's true. I just have sense enough in this moment to claim it, to know it, to recognize it, to embrace it. And so I speak this word that it be a word that cover us in grace. That it cover us in our, and expand our awareness of good. That there is a divine knowing that is already knowing that I am willing to know right now and know that I know that I know. And that is transformative in and of itself. Just to know, to realize that right where each of us presence of the divine is. Oh, I just give thanks. I give thanks for the seeds planted this day, for the truth known. Is freedom realized? I speak this word that it be a liberating word. That it free the shackles of some of our thinking, some of our living, some of our being. That we embrace the freedom that is ours, the love, the joy, the peace. Oh, it is an absolute perfect gratitude that I release this word that I turbocharge it into the perfect activity of law. That I know that the law is love and is already permeating everything. And so this word is just heightened, expanded, turbocharged as it were. I know that it's done and done well in God. And for this I am eternally grateful. I simply let it be by saying Ashe. Amen. And so it is. Love truly. Let me, let me say a quick thank you to Joelle. Thank you, our brother. Thank you for standing apologetically, unapologetically as a powerful presence, a divine awareness, in all of this, thank you for shifting our knowing this day. I love you, and I'm grateful for you. Love matters.